Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here. We're equally as excited to uh, welcome those that are joining us online. Again, it's kind of interesting every week how many people join us online from different places, really all around the country. So we welcome them. Uh, a couple of announcements I want to highlight. I don't normally do this, but I want to highlight some things that you need to know about that are in the worship guide, but some of you don't take the time to read that. So let me tell you what those are. Baptism, we're trying to line up our next baptism service. I already had several people who have inquired who want to be included in the baptism service. So again, if you are somebody who has not let us know and you have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and again, you want to take the next step, the most important step, uh, which is baptism, we want to make sure that we include you in that. Uh, you can let us know by indicating that on the portion of the tear-off of the worship guide, which is the tear-off, where you provide your personal information. You can just write that on the back side and say, hey, reach out to me. I want to talk to you about baptism, and we will do that. We don't have it on the calendar yet, but we will put it on the calendar very soon. So if you want to be included in that, make sure that you indicate that, or you can send me an email, info at crossroadslebanon.com, and somebody will reach out to you, and we'll talk to you about that, and we'll try to get you scheduled for that next baptism service. Uh, it's hard to believe Easter is in about a month. And again, it always messes with me when it's in March. I love it when it's in April. It feels like Easter. March does not necessarily feel like Easter to me. So again, it's March the 31st. So that means we're in full planning mode. Uh, again, getting things ready for Easter and that Easter week, which is a busy week. Lots of things happening in the month of March, as it is anyway. But the week of Easter is always busy for us. Again, we have a lot of guests. We have a lot of people attend who are not normally here. Uh, we have a lot of events that we don't normally do year-round. So again, one of those things includes candy. Uh, we need lots of individually wrapped candy. We could go out and buy that with the money that you give. But instead, we ask you to be a part of that. You select it. You go to Walmart. You go to Kroger, to Publix, wherever you buy, Costco. Uh, and you pick up those nice bags of individually wrapped candy that can be placed in an Easter egg. Again, here's the thing I say. Buy what you would eat. Don't buy what's cheap. Buy what you would eat uh, and what you would want your kids or your grandkids to have. So again, bring that with you next weekend. There's a place to drop that at the information kiosk, also at the children's check-in. There's a basket there, both those places. You'll just drop those in those baskets, and we will take it from there. You can do it next weekend, the next weekend, the next three weekends, I think, is honestly uh, appropriate for you to bring that. So again, you can buy one every week or however you want to do it, whatever works for you. Also, uh, this afternoon is our first smash event. Uh, that's an event where we're just getting together as a church. Uh, it's something that we put a lot of emphasis on this year, uh, trying to get people back into community, back in doing life together. Again, since COVID kind of just made it so hard and so many people scared. Uh, again, we talked about that last week, but nevertheless, uh, we have a great opportunity for you this afternoon from 4.30 to 6. Uh, the smash event is really kind of soups and sandwiches. So we're, we're, what we're encouraging you to do is if you are A through L, uh, bring soups. And if you're M through Z, bring sandwiches. And we have lots of dessert makers. So again, with lots of dessert makers, we know that you like to make desserts. So you can make desserts in addition to what you are already bringing and that you can bring that with you because again, uh, we want you to participate in that. 
Now, let me say, before we get started this morning, if you have your Bible and you're interested in following along, uh, we're going to be in the book of Judges. And I know we've got some people visiting as we do each week, but again, the, the, the sanctuary itself, the auditorium is dark. Uh, if you need to use your phone or if you need to fl- use a book light or a flashlight or whatever, that's okay. All the, sc- all the scripture will be on the screen, but nevertheless, if you want to look at that, go to the book of Judges. But before we go there, when you came in this morning, somebody on our guest service team should have given you a piece of paper and a pen. Uh, if you don't have that piece of paper and if you don't have that pen, I'm going to ask you if you can just to hold up your hand. Uh, I've got a couple of people who are looking around and they will bring a piece of paper. It's about that long and a pen to you. Again, you don't necessarily have to have it, but it would be great to have that, that piece of paper and that pen. Hold your hand up and somebody will bring that to you. Now, here's what I want you to do once you get that. I want you to take that piece of paper and the pen and, and, and there's that piece of paper and the, pens, and it, the piece of paper is going to look like this. It's going to look like that. Simple piece of paper. You can use it as a Bible mark or a bookmark after today as a reminder. But in that very first blank, I want you to write in that blank the year that you were born. Write in that, that, that blank the very year that you were born. Some of you I know are going to be embarrassed. Some of you are going to want to scoot over a chair because you don't want anybody to see it. Somebody of you, want to, you might want to use your hand because you don't want anybody to know. But in the very first blank, I need you to write down the year that you, would, you were born. You could also write the month, the date, I mean, if you want to. But I'm just really kind of keying in on the year. Key in on the year that you were born. Then, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that second blank, and in that second blank, I'm just going to ask you, if you will, to put a question mark. Just put a question mark. Second blank. That question mark is there. Because that's the day your life is going to stop. That's the year you were born. This is the representation of when your life is going to stop. And it's a question mark because you're just like me. You don't actually know when that's going to be. So I'm I'm going to write in this blank the year that I was born. For those that can't read, that's 1989. (laughs) See, here's the deal. Every one of us gets one of these. Every one of us. And right now, just so you know, yours like mine is just a mystery. That, that second blank is a mystery. You don't know when that's going to be. That, you, you have no idea when that time is going to be that your life is going to stop. But what's interesting is this. We know what this is. And we know what that is. And we celebrate that date every year. But even though we celebrate that, every one of us has one of those. And although we really don't like to think about that second date... That thing, the thing that we have to realize is that question mark, that date, it's coming. 
I love that analogy. You know, you've seen it probably in a meme where a bunch of people are in line and, you know, their, their, their soul goes to heaven. You're in line. You just don't know where you are in the line. And what's interesting is this. You know what? You had no control over this. You had absolutely no control over that first date. Nobody asked you when you wanted to be born. Nobody even asked you if you wanted to be born. It was just like, ta-da, and here I am. You just made your grand entrance onto this earth. You have no control over that, and you have very little control over that. But the one thing that you do have control over is that right there. That's the one thing you do control. Now think about it. We all have one. We have a birthday. We have a a day that we're going to die. We all have the time in between. And that's the one thing that you can control. It's yours. And you're the one that's going to decide what you're going to do with that. I want to go back to a scripture that I think I actually used it in the very first message in 2024. It's actually found in Psalms. Psalm 90, verse 12, and here's what it says. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days the time in between the day you were born and the time that you exit this earth, teach us the number of our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. See, on the weekend before Valentine's Day, we had a Sunday that we called, it was kind of soupy, but it wasn't really soupy. It was called Love Sunday, where we kind of focused on love. We're not talking about a Valentine's Day kind of love. We had some Valentine's events And some things going on in the lobby, but we didn't talk about a soupy kind of, you know, Valentine Day kind of love. But we talked about a love that's built out of community, of doing life with other people. And in that, we kind of talked about and kind of focused in on seeking first in life the things that are really important. We talked about what it looked like in our life to to seek the things that, that actually matter, And again, when we're talking about the things that really matter in life, we actually looked at some words of Jesus that are found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And, and these are actually the words of Jesus. These are not my words. These are his words. Here's what it says. Look at what it says. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And again, a couple of weeks ago, we asked this question, and the question was this. What would happen if we were actually living our life where we were to seek the things that actually matter most? What would that look like? What would it look like if we were to seek the things that actually matter the most? And see, here's the thing I did. I mean, I just took it on myself as I prepared a couple of weeks out. I said, you know, what are the things to me that matter the most? If I look at the words of Jesus and he says, seek first the things, uh, seek first the kingdom uh, and his righteousness and all the other things will be added to you. And we kind of looked at that last week. But what are the five things that I think are important? And here are those five things that I think are important. That I've kind of 
proposed for my life that I would seek first in 2024. Their transformation, love, calling, joy, and generosity. And last weekend, I told you that one of the things that's really important to me is transformation. So this morning, I want to approach the, the subject of transformation, one of the life's most important things. And here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to talk about transformation from a very unique perspective, because this is probably not the way that most of you would think or approach the, the subject of transformation, but I'm going to do it through a different lens. And here's the lens. I'm going to approach transformation through the lens of character versus giftedness. Now think about that. When I use the word giftedness, we're going to leave that up there just a moment. I'm talking about talents, strengths. Giftedness would be things like a high IQ, a uh, uh, your athletic ability, your charm, your business savvy, your charisma, your, your good looks, your popularity, your art, artistic talent. Those are the things that I think fall into the, the category or the department of giftedness. And when I talk about the things that I just that I said, you know, IQ, creative, athletic, all those abilities, you know, those gifts... I'm not saying that those things are bad at all because actually the, the Bible says something that's very important for us to know. See, the Bible says that God is the giver of all good and perfect gifts. So if those are the gifts that you've been given, then you, like me, should be thankful for those gifts. But let's just stop. Let's do a mass confession this morning. It's dark. Nobody's really going to see you really well. They'll see you a little bit. But if you have envied somebody else's gifts, would you just raise your hands? I mean, go ahead. It's, all, it's every one of us. I mean, you envied their good looks. You envied their youth, their athleticism, their musical ability, their IQ, their status. You envied their waistline or their hairline or their bottom line or the boots with the fur. <laughs> If you envy them, just go ahead and hold your hand up high because we've all done that. But see, here's the thing you have to understand. Your gifts are not the most important thing about you. There's something else. And again, that something else is called character. Character is your moral and spiritual makeup. Character is the thing that I think about when I talk about what we think and what we feel and what we choose. It's your character or lack of character that makes you honest or a liar. Character is what makes you humble or it makes you arrogant. Because character is who we are at the core of our absolute personhood. And for those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we made that decision, and that decision was saying, basically, I'm going to be devoted to him. I'm going to be devoted to Jesus. And let me tell you, when we talk about being devoted to Jesus, what we're really saying is that 
we're going to live our life and be an imitator of Jesus. The idea is not that we would have his giftedness or his role. But the idea is that we would have his kind of character. That his character can be formed in us. And the more I thought about this, I I, kind of determined that character is the thing that determines our capacity to be with God. Character is the thing that, that, that gives me the ability to, to experience God and to get to know God. That's the reason why I put it up on the screen so that you can see that. Because let me tell you, can I just say this right now? Again, you, you may not understand this, but if you don't get anything else, else out of what I say today, that's what I want you to understand. Character determines your capacity to be with God. Character determines the ability to experience God and for you to know God. And one of the reasons that I bring all of this up is that is, is simply because, you know what, I can look back at my own life and I can see seasons in my own life where, you know what, believe it or not, I actually got things wrong. And I made the mistake of prioritizing giftedness over character. And let me tell you this morning, it's so easy to do that because the culture, the society in which you and I live, it encourages us to prioritize giftedness because our society, our culture, idolizes giftedness. Giftedness is the way that we get the stuff our culture says that we ought to have. Giftedness is the, other thing, is the thing that makes people look at you, and when they look at you, they go, wow. Giftedness is the thing that will get you on the cover of a magazine. It's the thing that actually inflates your bank account. It will surround you with people who want to be with you. So what all of that means is that you and I, because our culture is encouraging us, what that does is it causes you and I to put more energy and more focus into wanting to enhance our giftedness. And we do that at the expense of paying attention to our character. Now, there's a guy in Scripture who was a very gifted guy. But he didn't understand the connection between character and giftedness. Because what he did not understand is with giftedness, there seems to always be this burden. There's a burden that always comes along with giftedness. And you have to understand that with giftedness, there's going to be temptations that come. There's a way of thinking that comes. And with giftedness, there's there's always this way of thinking that, that I'm entitled to things. There's this sense of entitlement that comes with giftedness. And with giftedness, there's, there's this pressure. And, and here's the thing. If there's no character when there's giftedness, 
then your giftedness will crush you. It really will. Your giftedness will crush you if you have no character. So we read in the book of Judges that an angel of God came to an elderly couple and tells them that they're going to have a son. And God tells them through the angel that he's going to bless this child with lots of gifts. He tells this couple that that this child is going to be a powerful leader. And the name of the child is Samson. Samson is to be a Nazarite. And being a Nazarite, that's a place where you enter into a special season of commitment and devotion. A time where you make three vows, and these three vows are all a reminder of the commitment that you've made. Let me show you what the three vows are. The first one is never to touch a dead carcass. The second one is don't drink wine. That would, that would get a lot of us, right? That'd be all of us. <laughs> or not all of us, but some of us. The third vow is you can't cut your hair. Now, these are temporary. They're temporary vows, but they're symbols. They're concrete reminders that someone has devoted himself to do something for God. And these are the three vows that Samson made as a Nazarite. So Samson grows up. And when he grows up, he's a man of extraordinary gifts. I mean, Samson is superior to every other man when it comes to strength. The Bible tells us that that Samson Samson could actually take apart an animal, tear it apart with his bare hands. Samson could defeat a dozen men in hand-to-hand combat at the same time. He was good-looking. He had charisma. There was magnetism around Samson, so much so that people just wanted to be around him. And they would follow him into battle. He was also a judge. That meant Samson had somewhat of a political agenda, political power. And one of the things that's intriguing about the story of Samson is that God uses Samson because of what he does. And sometimes God would use Samson because of what he doesn't. And one of the things that we see in this story is that even though there is spiritual anointing, even where there is impressive ministry, A lack of character can never be made up by giftedness. So here's the way I communicate what I see in this story. Character will always rise to the top. Come on now. It will. Character will always rise to the top. So Samson grows up. And the first story that we read about him when he becomes a man, this is what it tells us in Judges chapter 14. It says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now go, now get her for me as my wife. Now look at that. I have seen a woman in Timnah. Go get her as my wife. 
how well does he know her? Apparently, he does not know her very well because from what we just read, it says that he saw her. Doesn't say that he went to school with her. Doesn't say he had class with her. Doesn't say that he was captivated by her mind or by serving with her and admired her compassion and her commitment. He didn't go on to tender and swipe right. He saw her and he wanted her and he demanded that his parents go to there to Timnot and get her. Get her for me. Now think about that. That's part of the human condition. We see and we want. We see and we want. And see, here's what I think. It's that kind of action, me seeing and me wanting. You know what that does? It points to a divided heart. Because there's a part of my heart and there's a part of your heart that if that part of your heart is left unchecked, you and I are both very selfish. I see, I want. And one of the things, the worst things about giftedness is that without transformation, without a reformed heart, without character, your giftedness is the one thing that can get you what you see. And that's part of the danger. That's part of the danger of the gifts. Dazzling gifts give us a sense of entitlement. We see and we want. And sometimes we get exactly what we want. Because our gifts will help us get us what we want. But see, Samson didn't listen. Samson didn't listen to his parents. He doesn't listen to other people. And he goes after this Philistine girl. And honestly, it's just the start of the story. It's just just the beginning of all of his problems. We read later in this same chapter, verses 8 and 9, that he breaks that first vow by touching the carcass of a dead animal. Once again, what did he do? He saw and he wanted. So he takes Then in verses 10 and 11, he goes down to see the Philistine woman again. And this time while he's there, it's part of a feast. And the feast is where everybody in that area would be heavily pursuing and taking part of wine. And that included Samson. So now he's broken the first vow, which is don't touch a dead carcass. And he's broken the second vow, which is having nothing to do with wine. He's already broken the first two vows that he made. Then in chapter 16, he meets another woman. Look look at verse one. It says, one day Samson went to Gaza. You've heard a lot about Gaza lately. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Again, a gifted leader. That's Samson. He sees, and he wants. And see, it's easy up until this point for me and you to see, just on what we've read and what I've told you, that Samson is a guy who's headed downhill fast. He's he's headed downhill rapidly. 
But then in a couple of verses later, in verse 4, he meets another woman. Her name, as most of you know, because this is who we know as part of the story, is Delilah. This is the story that you and I are familiar with. This is the woman in the life of Samson and Delilah. So the Philistines are the enemy of Samson. And they actually use Delilah to get to Samson because they want to know the secret of his strength. And Delilah keeps asking him, how is it that you're so strong? What's the secret? Tell me, tell me, how is it? Is it P90X? Is it creatine? What is it? I mean, what, what is it, Samson? What is it? What's the secret? And Samson will not tell her. He keeps blowing her off. He keeps making up excuses. And then finally, this is what we see in chapter 16. Then Delilah said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and you haven't told me the secret of your strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. Come on, men, right? Amen, amen. So he told her everything. I mean, sometimes the nagging just will get you, right? Am I right, men? I mean, it'll just get you. So he told her everything. He said, no razor has ever been used on my head. He said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. And I would become just as weak as any other man. And now you understand the significance of the hair. It's the last and the only vow that Samson had not broken. And now, because he has hooked up with the wrong partner, because Samson was a man who learned to never say no to his appetites, the man of unbelievable giftedness, Samson, has thrown it all away. And you know the rest of the story. He goes to sleep. Delilah cuts off his hair. The Philistines come in to take him away. He hears them. He jumps up thinking that he will fight them. And then we find this statement. Judges 16 verse 20. But he did not know that the Lord, I don't know if it should be Lord, he did not know that the Lord had left him. Now think about that. His character was so eroded that he didn't even know it. You know why? Because sometimes the success of your giftedness can mask the erosion of your character. Samson didn't have the character to bear his giftedness. 
He saw, he wanted, he took. See, the interesting thing is this. You don't have a lot to say when it comes to your gift in this. 